0: are here with the man that we've been talking about for so long, for so many years. We talk about you on, on this podcast all the time. I'm oh, sorry oh yeah. for what
1: we've said. I'm just no, I apologize. It's,
0: no, it's all good stuff. But some may be sexual. Mainly, well, a lot of sexual. But yeah. mainly, the things we talk about are <laughs> that we cannot pronounce your name. You have three names, mm-hmm. and I, whenever I bring your name up, I say, you know, he's the um, he's the actor with three names, and the first name is Adewale.
1: Adewale.
2: Adewale. You got it. Adewale. 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 What Now say the other ones. You know, like the musician Wale. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Which is what they used to call me. Uh huh. But it's Ade Wale. That's the first
1: one.
2: Adewale. Yeah. Adewale. Yeah. Akinoye. Akinoye.
1: Akinoye.
2: Agbaje. Ag- yeah.
0: Hey, didn't I look it, it up for that? You did. Yes. You did. That's
2: right. Or AAA, man. go.
0: That's what, you I, go. I, I, that's <laughs> what you ended up
2: calling you is AAA. Yeah, that's what they
0: said. So when you came to Hollywood, did the, your agent say, okay, look, we're going to have to change your name? We're going to have to do something because people, Americans can't can't pronounce that.
2: Um. Yeah. Yeah. They but did. you said no. No. I mean, <laughs> to be quite frank, um, growing up in England, it's not a common name either, right. and and uh, it was the cause of a lot of ridicule and fights in school, and so that you would win. Yes, invariably, <laughs> 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 and and because of that, you know, I wasn't going to abandon it after all the yeah. struggle that I'd, you know, endured to actually keep it. So yeah. uh, when I got to Hollywood, um, it was important to me, and also it, it it's. Look, I have to w- learn Schwarzenegger's or Steinbeck's. Sure. And, yeah. and I think it, it's it's really important that people learn other cultures. And yeah. They just don't get stuck in their own little boxes. And, um, you know, believe me, it's been 20 years, but people naturally say, and, and I, I have Chinese, American, from all over the world say, Adewale, we love uh, you. Yeah. And it, it brings tears to my eyes because, um, you know, before you know nobody would dare to pronounce it but yeah. now they're actually saying Adewale you know what I mean so it, it just takes time you'll stick with it well Adewale I can handle Adewale
0: mm-hmm. stick that, with that I can yeah. get that's
2: actually how I go like Adewale that's, or, that's all or you Addy need. you know what I mean Yeah, yeah. you know whichever
0: where in London did you grow up
2: um, North London an area called Tottenham. So that would be...
0: Tottenham. Tottenham. Oh, I know that stop on the tube. That's Tottenham Court Road. Oh, I'm thinking... No, no, T- he's no. He's from
2: Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, you, I got, know, it you know London. Yeah, so good.
2: basically, um, you know, it would be... In in London, there are uh, it's very a rough heavily... It's Tottenham. yeah. Black populated mm-hmm. and immigrant areas like Brixton mm-hmm. and and Tottenham, which is the equivalent of Brooklyn and mm-hmm. and uh, Harlem. So Tottenham is 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 where I kind of. But grew Brixton
1: up. is really on the rise. Is this like almost like Shoreditch in this kind of thriving, up and coming area? Has Tottenham kind of?
2: Yeah. Gotten yeah. That too? Yeah. I mean, basically, London's become so expensive to live, and so what. Has uh, happened is people in the center have moved out. And so these areas, whether it's Brixton or Tottenham, have been what you call gentrified. gentrified. And, mm-hmm. and they're pushing the locals out further and further and taking on those which places, yeah. is, which, which always happens. But, yeah. uh, you know, there's still a stronghold of residents that live there like myself. Yeah. <laughs> yes. do,
0: um, do, do you still
2: live there? I do, yeah. Wait a minute. What? Yeah, yeah. I still have a house there.
0: Good for yeah. you. And, and so your family still live there?
2: Um, my family live between there and Nigeria.
0: And were you born in Nigeria?
2: No, I was actually born in England. Yeah, my, yeah. my parents were uh, part of a wave of immigrants that came over in the uh, fifties and sixties. Yeah, they met there, had myself and my siblings, and I was I was actually born in London.
0: Yeah, and so um what train stop is Totten- is Totten- Tottenham? What tube stop? Um, yeah.
2: There's a few. I mean, Arsenal, which is where I was actually born, which is the football team. Uh-huh. Uh, is, is is Tottenham? Um uh, You've got. Bruce Grove, you've got. I don't Wood know this. Green.
1: You wouldn't go up that north. I wouldn't.
2: I don't You'd know have that no train. To, yeah. You're missing out, bro. <laughs> <laughs> we we'll have to take you, you the to you, you need to come to London when I'm there. there I sh- you I'll show you. I show you the real story. You thing. see is London. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you know. what I'm saying.
0: That's an interesting. That's an interesting story because you know there's so much of London that most people don't get to see. It'd be interesting to see it through your eyes, like a book or a TV series of London through your eyes. What would be the most surprising? thing? Thing I'd learned uh, on a, a tour, an Adewale tour of London. Well,
2: it's it's interesting that you say seeing London through Adewale's eyes because that's exactly what I'm doing. I've just directed a feature film called Farming, which is based upon my upbringing.
0: Really? In London. Yeah. So. I, I, trust me,
2: no one told me that. No publicist. I didn't read that anywhere. Mm-hmm. That just came up.
0: It's called
1: Farming?
2: Yeah, it's called Farming. It stars Kate Beckinsale in what? the lead. Uh, Damson Idris, who's a star. Yes! Of, uh, Big and, stars. And Google and Bootha Roar. My goodness. Wow. That, that will come out here in, in October the 25th and then London on September the 27th.
0: And this is a feature film that you, did you write it? I wrote it.
2: And, and directed, I directed it. it. Starred
0: in it and I did the soundtrack. How did you, okay, okay, well, I have so many questions. Uh, okay, how did you get the financing? Who did you convince to invest?
2: It took me... Uh, over ten years to, wow. to get to get the finance for, for this film, and it never came out of uh, Britain. It came from foreign endeavors uh, in France and uh, and New York.
0: Yeah, and so what do you what do, What's your wish for this film? I mean. You know, is it going to be streaming? Is it going to be in theaters?
2: No, it's, it's going to be a cinematic release. Uh, it, it premiered at TIFF last year and was bought by Lionsgate uh, in the UK and E1 here. That will, So it will have a cinematic release and then it will go to streaming. Why the name farming? Where does that come from? Well, farming was a term... Uh, that was used by British social workers to describe a phenomenon that occurred in Britain after the Second World War. Now, Britain, being the empire, was devastated economically and called upon its colonies to help re- rebuild its economy. So, you know, they colonised India, West Africa, and the West Indies. My parents were among that wave of immigrants that came over to rebuild uh-huh. the economy. That uh-huh. was kind of like an expedient labour force. Yeah. Now, farming. This particular phenomenon was peculiar to the Nigerian immigrants that would come. And what they would do, they would come to work and study. And whilst they were there, they were having families. And so because they were doing double duty, they would foster or farm their children out to white working class families, en masse, tens of thousands all over the country. And farming the story follows my journey. I was farmed at six weeks old to a white couple in the southeast of England. In an area called Tilbury, and it follows my journey through that process. How long were you there with them? Sixteen years.
1: What? Wait, hold on a minute. Yeah. Hold, hold on a minute. And it's like, uh, so they farmed you like out. Foster,
2: fostering. Fo-
1: so they basically raised you.
2: Yeah, I mean, six weeks old. That that they yeah. were yeah. my parents. Yeah. I, in fact. I did not even know that I had uh, African parents. I, you know, they, and they had 10 other Nigerian children that weren't my siblings in the house at the time.
1: Did they get money from the government to do this? Or did they do it out of the kindness of their heart?
2: Well, what they would do, so the government in, in, in enticing the immigrants to come would, would give them actually a family allowance to, to help them build families. Mm-hmm. And they would then in turn turn over that family allowance to the foster fam- foster families. Mm-hmm. So they would get a form of payment from uh, the, uh, you know, immigrant students. Yeah.
1: Was, I'm an adopted kid, so it's a little okay. bit of yeah. a mind fuck yeah. for me here. So it, did you uh, identify with this foster family as your parents, or did you know all along that you had two sets of parents, for lack of a better term? No,
2: no. You, you have to think of it as, and this is the uh, in, in the 60s, you know. And, right. You, at six weeks old, know your parents as whoever's in in front of you, feeding you, uh, raising you, rearing you. And that's all I knew. And there were no other black people around other than the children that were in our house. And the Mm -hmm. parents were white. And they were white,
1: yeah. Mm -hmm. When did you find out that this was happening?
2: Um... When my social workers used to come, and that's where I first heard the term farming Mm -hmm. as a young boy. But uh, at eight years old, I came home from school and saw two Africans in the living room. And I was told they were my parents, and I was abruptly the next day in in Africa. And it was as traumatic as taking a white child uh, to Africa. And then, you know, the the heat, uh, the food, the language... The culture, it was just, it was so traumatic for me that I actually stopped talking for about nine months.
0: Really? Yeah,
2: I, I just withdrew within myself. And uh, and that actually uh, made them send me back to the family because they said it's just too hard for him. Oh, was the intent for you to stay there forever? Yeah. Yeah. In Africa. So, so the intent of farming was that, um, you know, an expedient labor force. So they would work and study. And then once they'd graduated and saved enough money, they would return to collect their children and go home right. to Africa and rebuild their lives. That yeah. was the plan. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, the, the, the time between when they dropped you, as in my case was six weeks, was anywhere between six weeks and 16 years, Yeah. eight years. And in many cases, the parents never came back. Mm-hmm. And so we became the first black British generation to be born wow. on British soil.
1: Unbelievable. I, I had no, no idea. idea. Me neither.
2: Yeah, and, and it's a phenomenon that even British people are unaware of, but it's tens of thousands all over the country that actually, and it's this process that shaped the culture Absolutely. of Britain. And so when you say... Coming to London to see an Adewale's perspective. Oh, yeah. it's very. This different. film yeah. is really going to show you that perspective. No,
0: okay. Wow. Objectively, it's hard to do that. But how well did you do in the? How well did you? Were you able to tell the story? Were you? Are you happy with it?
2: Oh, I'm very happy with it. You know, I mean, it's going to be my legacy. Yeah. Because whilst it's a personal story. It's also the voice of a generation. Yes, it is. And so it's very important for me to do this story, but also be authentic. Yeah, you know, and uh, be uncompromising with the truth. Because as you said, your perception of Britain has always been, you know, Harry and Meghan and the Beatles. Yeah. And, but nobody knows that there's eight million black people that live there. Yeah. Nobody knows our journey. We're very familiar with um, you know, the African American experience from slavery, civil sure. rights to African Americans how they are today. Yeah. But nobody is aware of of the black British counterparts. Yeah. And so this story really shares uh, an experience of a generation.
1: Were yeah. the siblings that you were raised with, um, <laughs> were they able to find their biological parents and all that, or some did and some didn't?
2: Um, some did. Mm. I was one of the lucky ones. Yeah. My parents did come back for me. Um, but there were, there were uh, you know, children that were there that at the time they became of age say 18 they went to get uh, a passport so that they could travel and they were told that they don't exist oh my and god. that they were going to be deported to a country they didn't even know how oh to spell oh my god and so then what happened is my foster parents had to quickly make them ward of court yes. and adopt them as was in your right, case right. Yeah. and so there were many people uh, children who don't even know their parents yeah. yeah.
0: So okay. So you, you were sent back to Nigeria at eight years old. Mind blowing. What happens after that? You didn't speak for nine months. Did you stay in Nigeria, or did they send you back to your your foster parents? I
2: got sent back to the same foster parents uh, where where I was sent initially. So yeah. I stayed.
0: And then your relationship with your <clears throat> biological parents did it. Was it just a, a long distance uh, storyline, or or did you
2: you had no real. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. So going to Africa was a huge, obviously, culture shock, and 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 psychologically, emotionally, but it gave me a reference all of a sudden. You know, I I, I was, I I knew that I was no longer a a white kid in a white. I knew that I was of something else, of another culture, and that was kind of problematic for me. Mm -hmm. You know, in, in my identity crisis, because you know, part of me as a young child wanted to shun that out. And and embrace the the reality that I'd known. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was a bit of discourse between that within me. But my parents made uh, an effort to try to, you know, bridge the gap. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. over a period of time, we had an estranged relationship. And now, obviously, thirty years later, we're we're, we're fine. But it took a lot of time.
0: Yeah. Now, of w- now, what about what about the adoptive parents? It, it, when you look back, mm. were they? Uh, Did they have the best intentions? Were they just, were they just,
2: what what were their intentions? I think initially, you know, because my foster mother couldn't have children of her own, and so I I believe the intention was always pure. Mm -hmm. But I think a, a pure intention Turn into somewhat of a racket because when mm-hmm. you're having twelve children in the house and each one is getting paid—that's what I'm saying—it uh, it became and and there was neglect, you know. But I, I believe my my mother and father's intention were always pure at the beginning, and they did the best that they could with that many children. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it was it was a complex relationship. For me, I always loved them because the thing about children is you just don't discriminate you take what you get for love yes good or bad yes. do, do you know what i mean yeah. so so to me they they that was life and that was parents and that's how it was but as i you know grew up and matured and began to be able to have a perspective on it mm-hmm. you know i realized that that's not normal mm-hmm. the way that i was treated and you know because there was racism outside the house there was ignorance within the house mm-hmm. do you know what i mean and and it 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 was a breeding ground for my own self-hatred mm. do, do, do you know what i mean mm. yeah. and and so that i had to learn as i as i grew up and and find my own ways to to get over mm. that but it was a complex relationship but i think it 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 was pure from the start there was love but there was also shades of racket and, and unfortunately racism and, and neglect but mm. you're
1: one of 13 you said in, foster in, the, kids? in in the house and,
2: yeah. and and my foster parents in particular had Fifty go through the house throughout their lifetime. Mm. Fifty different Nigerian oh, children, two of which were my blood siblings.
0: How, how how are they portrayed in the in the story? I, I mean, are the foster they, parents?
2: Yeah, with honesty, and and I think it's a celebration in a sense because, as I said, as a child. I, I didn't discriminate between good and bad. They were just my parents. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that raised me for good or bad, and the best way that they could, given what what tools they had at their disposal. Well, that yeah,
0: most p- kids mm-hmm. would describe their parents that way, right. yeah. You know, did yeah.
2: you did you deeply love them? Like, um, you know, it was it was funny because in a, I, I don't know how you, what your households were like, but when you're in a house with ten kids, it's hard to get the attention mm-hmm. of of the parent. Um, and and so I, I remember always being thirsty for love, mm-hmm. or attention, or affection, because you know it wasn't a household where you got a hug. Mm-hmm. It just that just didn't exist. It was about survival. Mm-hmm. And so, um, did I love them? Absolutely. I, I think there was an unconditional love, because it, what that means is you accept them for their flaws and and uh, their benefits, mm-hmm. but. Was it difficult? It was extremely difficult, and especially as a black child growing up in a racist environment and not having the cultural nurturing or the emotional. Um, I was basically on my own, yeah. fending for myself.
0: The film is called Farming, and it's going to come out in the fall of 2019. Correct. Yeah. Oct- October the 20th. Oh, I can't wait thing. to see who that. Plays, who plays that? We're going to go to break in a minute, but who plays the, the two parents, who the, the foster parents?
2: Kate Beckinsale plays my foster mother. And um, as another uh, uh, theater actor who plays my foster father, forgive me, his Mm -hmm. name. No, we'll we'll
0: get back to it. I'm just, this is very new to me. I didn't
1: know that
2: existed. I know
1: there's a big African population in England yes. in mm-hmm. particular, mm-hmm. Yeah. but I didn't know the story.
2: Of how they go. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. This is one of the stories. You know. One of
0: that many stories. That is remarkable. We're going to ask more questions of Aduale and the film uh, Farming uh, when we come back from this break.
1: Hey y'all, do you ever wonder where your family comes from? Now you can discover more about them and learn about your story in particular by combining the Ancestry DNA test with billions of historical family records. Now, many of you know from listening to the podcast that I was adopted and my cousin actually, my biological birth blood cousin reached out to me through a genealogy app. Now, if I didn't know my biological mother at this point, or father for that matter, I would have found out who they were through this. So it's pretty freaking cool. Ancestry DNA gives you so much more than just the places that you're from. Ancestry connects you to the places in the world where your story started using precise geographic detail and clear cut historical insights. You can even trace your ancestors' journeys over time by following how and why your family moved from place to place. And to amplify your results, you could start a free trial on Ancestry and build a tree so your ancestors become more than just a name. They've combined DNA results with over 100 million family trees and billions of records, yes, with a B, to give you more insight into your genealogy and origins. Only Ancestry can tell such a rich story with unique features that give a more complete picture about a person, like events that shaped them, how they made a living, and what they excelled in. How freaking cool is that? It is so easy to get started, you guys. For a limited time now through June 13th, go to Ancestry.com slash Rue today to get your Ancestry DNA kit for 69 bucks. Learn about your family history for 69 bucks. That's Ancestry.com slash Rue for $69. Ancestry.com slash Rue.
0: Talkspace! Now, you know I love therapy. I've been seeing the same therapist for 20 years, and I wish everybody could do that. You know, not everybody has that kind of time. Right. Not everybody has that kind of money. But there is a solution, and that is Talkspace.
1: Talkspace is the online therapy company that lets you message a licensed therapist from anywhere at any time. All you need is a computer with an internet connection or... Better yet, the Talkspace mobile app, because that means most of the time you're always going to have a connection. That means you can improve your mental health even if you've had trouble making time for it in the past, because I can guarantee I don't even need to take a survey. I know there's two reasons why people say they can't do therapy. They don't have the time. Right. And they don't have the money.
0: That's right.
1: Well— if you can't imagine fitting anything else into your life, Talkspace makes it super easy for you. Remember that therapy isn't just getting deep. You don't have to, like, get on the phone and cry. and You can do that if you want. Sure. But it's not just about that. Sometimes, you know, stress is the number one killer. Therapy can certainly help you relieve your stress. You can get it off of your chest, off of your shoulders. And listen to this. One month of therapy on the Talkspace platform costs about the same amount as a single face-to-face session. What? And best of all, Yes. For one month, wow. you get the for the cost of one therapy session traditional. Best of all, you'll never have to wait a week to share what's on your mind. Because with therapy, if you go on Mondays, you have to wait a week to the next Monday. Yeah. You're making a list and half the time you don't get to it or you forget about it. The Talkspace platform is over 3,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing life challenges that we all face. So to match with the perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, go to Talkspace.com Rue. Use the offer code Rue to get $45 off your first month. That's are you and Talkspace.com slash rue?
0: We are back. We've got Adewale, who I, I've i called him triple A for years because <laughs> I can't pronounce the other. And you, you chose to use your real name. Now, when people ask me about show business who want to be in a show, I say, hmm. do not use your real name because it will be on public records. It'll be in <laughs> uh, identity, on, theft. When you, uh,
2: identity theft. <laughs> when you buy a
0: house, it's all there. Uh, did anybody advise you to not use it for those reasons?
2: No, not for those reasons, yeah. um, for reasons of, you know, pronunciation yeah. and, 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 you know, convenience. They sure. But, what were know. some of the names they wanted to call you? Well, actually, in school, they tried to change it. They tried to call me Robin. Robin, and, um, <laughs> you don't look yeah, like yeah. a Robin. No, no. A Robin. Do I? And it was funny because she, they would complain to my foster mother, like he's not responding. <laughs> 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 yeah, right. <laughs> and and she, my foster mother just gave up. She's like, look, he only responds to wallet. Yeah, Wally. you yeah. know what I mean, so yeah. so it stuck. And um and you know, obviously later in in my career, um you know there was a few conversations, but not many. I, I think yeah. once they knew that this was who I was and this is, you know, my stance, they embraced it. And you know, you know, ha- Has your name shown up in public
0: records in places where you go, oh, geez, oh, no. No. no <laughs> you know, you're STI No. And, and, you I, and I think, I think
2: why, why would you not? Um, you know, because also in, in Nigerian culture, which is where I stem from, which is what I am, you know, Names have a huge signif- sure. cultural significance. Yes. Yes. So, you know, they're not just uh, labels, they actually have a meaning. Yes. So, Ade means the crown, Wale means to arrive, and Akin means warrior. Noye means of chieftaincy mm-hmm. and baje means of wealth and prosperity oh wow but but in the wow. context of my birth I'm the only ch- son of four girls so mm-hmm. when they say the crown oh. has arrived that means the lineage can yes. continue, oh, how continue. I, yes. so so that's why you could because when when people say your name it states your purpose in absolutely life. so how that's why you, you don't abandon that Yeah. because yeah. that's that's part of your spirit yeah
1: how are I you able that. to keep that beautiful culture alive in a house that I would imagine parents are pretty devoid of knowing what your culture was.
2: Mm. And and as were we as children. Right. I, I think, you know, um, what what happened with me, certainly once I got to an age where I could make independent decisions, um, I took my own trips to Africa, learned my culture on my own terms, and, and you know, had an appreciation of it for myself. Uh, you know, I know exactly the earth from whence I stem in, in Nigeria, mm-hmm. in Hondo, mm-hmm. and I know all my family members. So, you know, it, it just empowered me and, and, and the name and the culture. So I think later on it was a lot easier. But in, in the beginning, I think it was this hapstance where, mm. where my mum tried to change me, but my spirit wouldn't allow it. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that, that's, to me, that's just the mystic spiritual connection to Absolutely. my culture. Absolutely. And rhythmically and frequency, it's all connected to Mm, that. Very much.
0: What's the relationship you have with your
2: biological parents now? Mm. Well, my father's passed, but prior to his departure, my mother's still uh, alive. It it was for many years estranged, Mm -hmm. you know, but um, look, my father and mother worked extremely hard and they put all of us through college in the end, you know what I mean? And so I have great respect and uh, gratitude toward them. It's not quote unquote a normal relationship because we didn't grow up together but there's a, a, a healthy respect for a, ourselves and 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 how we relate to each other mm-hmm. it's not um, mother son per se because I was already mothered by the time I met my mother mm-hmm. but there's a there's a huge respect and and there's things that only your mother especially your cultural genetic mother can give you yeah. and and I was very aware Aware of that as I was growing up, and so that was the need to sort of like embrace both sides, Mm -hmm. Um, and and I've really enjoyed it. So now you know it's it's fine, you know. But I would say it was a journey to get there. It wasn't like an overnight. She did what she did Mm -hmm. for
1: you for the better. For you, for your future, I can guarantee it. I'm not her, but Mm. I know why my biological mother did what she did. Because she couldn't have done Mm. or given me what I got Mm -hmm. from the way I was raised. And I would venture to believe that's why they did this and farmed
2: you out. And the film has been cathartic for both of us. I'm sure. It's been a real healing process because what it's done is, as a director, I had to, you know, in writing these characters, I had to embody them and think, oh, what? were they feeling and thinking and why would they have done it and, and also enabled her the opportunity to see what we really went through yeah Uh-oh. because there was quite a lot of denial has she in. seen it and yeah she 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 hadn't seen the film but she's you know we've read the script and yeah. she saw the short that i did and mm-hmm. and uh it was an amazing uh, moment because you know we had a very deep conversation where she said you know that's the only thing i'd Wish for is that I tried hard enough not to give you up, mm. wow. and and that couldn't have come, mm-hmm. other than if I'd done this film. So mm-hmm. just for that, that admission alone makes this whole journey worth it. Wow. Are the
0: foster parents still alive?
2: No, no, they passed in two, thousand six.
0: What do you feel more of a kinship to the the um, the was it um, the kids from the foster mm. or your three sisters? from your biological where do you feel
2: more two
1: of which were raised with you yeah
2: yeah so I have four sisters two of which were raised with me Uh so the the you know it's for my my ex from my experience it's always nurture over actual nature Mm -hmm. you know um you know those that you're raised with you know it doesn't necessarily mean about blood Mm -hmm. it's like if you're raised with them and you are treating each other as siblings that's how you feel yeah so obviously the kinship between those that was fostered with me is a lot stronger Mm -hmm. but you know I look at it like this way I don't look at it as a division I, I embrace both because the sisters that weren't raised with me were able to impart and teach me about the culture that I missed out on. Mm-hmm. And we were able to share because they came to England. We were able to ingratiate them into this new culture that mm-hmm. they came in. So it, it kind of worked. But like I said, there were a lot of teething problems, man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, um, uh, uh, so how did you get into
2: acting? Exactly. <laughs>
0: because, you know, that's, you went to university, you did that. Um, when, when did you know you had the talent to do it?
2: Um, The truth is, uh, you know, I had a good friend who who came to the States, and at that time we were both in fashion, and, and uh, she, she really took off here. And uh, she had suggested that I come to America because, um, you know, England at that time, there were very few opportunities for black people. When was um, this? This is uh, late 80s, early 90s. Um, and so she encouraged me, and it was on her encouragement that I came out. Now, mm. I came out, to actually pursue music, I thought,
0: mm-hmm. huh.
2: and I did. I got I got a record contract with Motown, uh, which fell through once they Barry Gordy changed heads right, and stuff. Right, So then um, my uh, modeling agent sent an article that came out in Elle magazine at the time. The top four male models of the world, and I was one of them. The other three were millionaires, and I was broke. Uh, I was wow. the only black one in there. But they sent that to a. Mike Fenton who was a casting director yes, at the time. Yes.
0: Famous, one of the most famous ever.
2: Yeah. And Mike uh, invited me into audition and uh, I I came in and got the audition. For what? For- uh it was for Congo. Uh, the Frank- movie Congo, yes. Yeah, that was my first uh, <clears throat> movie that I did. Here. That was before did you Oz? study?
0: That was before Oz? Um
2: yeah, that was uh-huh. ver- that was a very first and I no, I'd not studied. This was the very first. Uh, my first experience at, at film wow. and um, I, I did the audition and uh, and it was whilst I was on that movie actually Tim Curry was one of the stars mm-hmm. he he had seen me and he just said you know what I think you have a lot of potential and he called his agent and got me an agent so I signed up with his agent and um, and it's whilst I was shooting that film um, Steve Odekirk and uh, Jim Carrey were shooting in the same lot and they'd seen a scene that I was in and asked frank marshall if if they could send me down uh at lunchtime to play around with the scene and so i did that and that became ace ventura Uh, so i was in that and and so it you know once i got in to the family of hollywood it kind of accelerated pretty quick initially because it it felt like hollywood was going through its african phase yeah congo ace ventura goes to africa Uh then i did a film with hbo um deadly voyage but they all had mm-hmm. african themes and i kind of fitted that mold for them mm-hmm. but when they dried up um my agent was like oh well we'll have to wait till the uh the, the, the <laughs> next african to, it, oh babe, yeah. and i was like well can't you send me out to some you know american she said, but yeah. you don't have an accent and i said well listen uh give you till monday let me go to this audition and we'll see and and i remember going home and watching Fresh Prince of Bel Air, The Cosby Show, just trying to mimic the accent, and um, I went in and I got it, and and that opened a whole plethora of opportunities. Um, uh, yeah, but it was really Oz that um, yeah that took off uh, in a way that uh, it gave me credibility as an actor. Right? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because until that point, I think people were seeing me as you know, this statuesque, black guy who could look threatening. Yeah. But they hadn't really seen that you had chops. Right. And until I got the opportunity to play that role, and, and that role really changed the, that was the great. game for me. How so, yeah. many
0: years did you do Oz? Oz. Uh, I think four years. Four years—that's yeah. all. It's because you made such a lasting impression in that role. And
2: whose idea was it to roll the hats up and put them to the side like that? Yeah, that was that was my idea. It's so chic. That fashion background. It's so chic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, not only that—that's how I used to wear it on the streets. So, really? Yeah. And and um, the funny thing was when we were shooting that scene. Um, there were there were strict uh, rules um, that Tom had that uh, everybody had to be the same because it was a prison.
0: Yeah,
2: and I was like, well, that doesn't really happen in prison. Right. People people personalize a yeah. uniform, and um, you know it, when he said action, I just took it out of my pocket and stuck it, uh-huh, the uh-huh. and then it was in there, and and then. He realized after, oh god, he's got the freaking how. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it was, we just kept it, and um, yeah. and it became, you know, symbolic.
0: Tom Falcon, Tom
2: Tom Fontana, Fenton. Fontana. Fontana. Tom. That's was the right, That's right producer.
0: Um, we've got so many questions. Um, I know we're going to go to break right now, mm. but uh, you were singing. Is this how you got the Motown contract? Yep,
2: yep, yep. And and I actually. I've been able to marry these two passions of mine, music and film. In, in my film, I did 10 uh, I did original tracks, song. yeah, 100. which Island Records are now releasing oh as a goodness. soundtrack. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. incredible. I cannot, wait. I cannot <laughs> wait. Okay, we have so many questions.
0: We've got Adewale with us right now. We're going to go to break. We'll be right back after this. You know, Michelle, I am in love with that Quip toothbrush. Mm. It is so sexy. It is so efficient. I cannot wait to brush my teeth. And I'm not just saying that either. I love it. It's so streamlined. It is. It's beautiful. And, you know, what you know about these electric toothbrushes, what it does is not only does it brush your teeth accurately for the amount of time that it needs to be brushed, yeah. but it the vibration actually makes, I know this sounds weird, it makes the plaque pop off your teeth. It just
1: pops right it off. Pops
0: it right pops right off. off. I'm not joking. It no. really does. It really loosens it up and gets it off of your teeth.
1: That's the whole point of it. People brush too hard. Some electric toothbrushes are too abrasive. I've had electric toothbrushes. I'm literally looking at the setting going, ow. Yeah. Is it on three? No, it's on one. Well, you hurt. <laughs> There's a... <laughs> there's a built-in two-minute timer with the cl- with the quip. It's a pulse every 30 seconds to remind you when to switch quadrants, right? There's a helping you helping you guide through the full and even clean. 90% of us don't brush for a full two minutes or don't clean evenly. I've seen it before with my kids. Even myself being lazy, it's like scrub, scrub, scrub. No, yeah, yeah. that does not mean clean. Do you
0: remember those chew things in school, in elementary they school? They would stain your that teeth. That would stain your teeth to yeah. show you how little you brush. Oh, yeah.
1: everybody looked like a Dalmatian. <laughs> when they smiled. They were hideous. And they were like red.
0: Yes. Or
1: purple or something. Yes. Quip does not require a clunky charger and runs for three months on one charge. And to be honest, have been running ours for like I haven't
0: year. recharged mine yet. I,
1: did, I haven't It just keeps going. It keeps going and going. Brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist recommended schedule every three months for just five bucks. And why? Because three out of four of us use bristles that are old, worn out, and ineffective. Quip is one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association and has thousands of verified five-star reviews. And that's why we love Quip and why they're backed by over 20,000 dentist professionals. Quip starts... Just 25 bucks. And if you go to slash rue right now, you will get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. Your first refill pack for free at G E T Q U I P dot slash R U.
0: We, well, if, I know it's going to be fascinating. We're talking to Ottawa uh, The movie is called Farming. Uh, really fascinating story. Things, things that I've never even thought of of how they came to be um but so many questions you said that you had a a contract first of all you were you were modeling you had a friend who was in fashion Mm. who inspired you to come to the us correct and how did you become one of the top four
2: fashion models but you were broke how does that happen well in europe at the time i was i was at college and i i had two like part-time jobs i would bounce at a club at night and at the weekends, I would do uh, retail in a men's high fashion store in London. In London, what store? Uh, Hyper Hyper. <laughs> Hyper Hyper. It was the place where all the stars came to. Show. Where Where is it? Uh, where South, was it? South Kensington. I don't know. So
1: that's like the Harrods area. The oh.
2: yeah, yeah. It's okay. like is the it. Was especially then, it was a revolutionary place to go. Mm-hmm. So I would sell su- uh, shirts to David Bowie, Lenny Kravitz. They would uh, all come in there and wow. buy wow. ten shirts at a time. Uh-huh. And I would have to wear the uniform. Uh, the clothes. And yeah. so photographers would also come in and take hire the clothes for photo shoots. Yeah. And they saw me in the uniform and said, hey, can we use you? And I was very suspicious. Uh, I was reading my law book. And the first thing, you're going to pay me. And they paid me more than I was earning for my two jobs. Oh, <laughs> so, wow. So I was like, yeah, I think I'm going <laughs> to. And the photographers just said, yeah, I think you could do this. Uh-huh. And um, and so they gave me a recommendation and I went to see an agency and they said, uh, no, you're too black. Mm-hmm. And And I really wasn't going to pursue it, you know, but until they told me that. And it was Mm -hmm. that that really got my goat up. And I said, okay, we'll see. They actually said that? Oh, yeah, blatantly. And in front of the whole um, office. Yeah. You know, they were snickering and, you know. That would never fly now. It was very clear. They said, "Now you're too black. Too black, too (gasps) strong. And um, And what
1: year was this? Because let us not forget we had the whole Jamon Hunsu, I'm gonna say his name wrong. Yeah. The Jenna Jackson video. Yeah. Yeah. And that was uh, pretty early on well, that too. Was, that was yeah. like nineties 90s 90s or it it was
2: was like, nineteen. Like, yeah, and so you're talking eighties? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, we're talking like eighty-nine. Okay. And um and I I just had this idea. I just said, right, you know what? I did some research and I said, where in Europe do they have a fashion industry but no black models because mm-hmm. I'm like, it's obvious I'm not going to get any play in England. Mm-hmm. I looked at Spain. They've got a fashion industry, but mm, it's not that strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, Germany, no, nah, not really. Um, I looked at France. Well, they've got their own black models there, mm-hmm. so it's going to be a lot of competition. Oh, you know what? Italy. Yeah, they've mm-hmm. got a really strong fashion industry, but no. Mm-hmm. I thought if I go there, it might be hard, but if I stick it out, mm-hmm. I could be that resident.
0: Sure. You know, and yeah. And that's
2: exactly what I did. Wow. Within six months, I, be- I became the top male model in that. Oh what, year what year this is this? This was like '89, nine, '90. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and from there, I went to onto France, did the same thing, yeah. and and became the one of the top guys. I, I used to work with Jim, Jim and Hansu back in. Those wow. Days
0: did you? Yeah. Well, wow. Yeah. And so um, you were studying law when you were working in the clothing store.
2: Yeah. That was my part time. Did you,
0: know, you go to uni too?
2: Yeah, I went to uni. I got a bachelor's degree in law and a master's degree in law.
1: Yeah. But did you never sat for your bar? You never?
2: No, no. It was really uh, a bargain between me and my Nigerian parents. You know, oh. it was like mm-hmm. you know, um, you do this, and you know, I I go on my way because I you know when they took me out of my foster. Uh, parents' home, I'd pretty much got in with some rough gangs. And Mm -hmm. uh, so they commenced a cleanup program, which involved me going to college or Mm -hmm. going back to Africa. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, well, I'm not going back there. And I did the studies, but it was really for them. It wasn't for me. God, your Mm -hmm. life is interesting. It's Mm -hmm. me,
0: because I keep getting the word anointed. I mean, you must look back at all of this and think, that is the odds of someone, this happening to someone, are really crazy, because <laughs> not only with the farming experience, mm-hmm. then being sent to Nigeria, and then they sent you back after that. Yeah, they sent me back because
1: it wasn't talking. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. and then uh, this is know. all
2: in the film,
1: by the way. Yeah, well, trust me, is we, we is are going film. to be there to see. Oh, this is
0: in the film. I can only imagine what what you. I mean, how were you able to edit
2: out certain things? I mean, and what who is played scene? you? Three who hours played? long? Is it three hours long? No, it's 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 an uh, hour and a half.
0: Wow! Yeah, yeah, it
2: has to be. We have to keep you, you know, riveted. Yeah. Um, Damson Idris uh, of Snowfall, he plays the, the younger, teenage version yeah. of myself. And is, a, he,
0: is he related to uh, uh, Idris?
2: No, no. no he, that's Idris Elba. Oh. Yeah, the Damson, he's, he's, he's the star of the uh, FX show Snowfall, the John right. Singleton yeah. show. Um, and uh, a young boy, Sefan. Who's an amazing little talent? He's 10 years old, plays the younger version. So, those are the two guys that play incarnations of myself back then. Yeah. And and to answer your question, how did I maintain an objectivity about my subjectiveness? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, I'd lived with it for more than a decade, uh, fashioning and and, 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 uh, hacking away at the script. But, you know, it takes teamwork to make a dream work. And in that sense, it was my producers. And I got an Oscar winning um, editor, mm-hmm. you know, Tariq Anwar, who mm-hmm. did um, uh, The King's Speech, mm-hmm. um, The Madness of St. George, American Beauty. I mm-hmm. mean, this guy is the creme de la creme. Of. So I surrounded myself with the very best of experience Michael London, uh, another Oscar nominated producer. Mm-hmm. So, so these guys, you know, were the ones that were my soundboards. They were mm-hmm. like, well, you know, we need to mediate here. We even though we're telling a true story, you can put everything. In. Sure, yeah, and and so that that was the tough part because there were things that were very true to me and important to me, but mm-hmm. actually couldn't go in the movie. Mm-hmm. which is why I'm doing the book. Yes, <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> So, exactly right. so and, and I knew that. So I said, some things will, will reserve for the book, which is happening now. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a movie, you still have to, you know, because it's in the realm of entertainment. Oh, this yeah, is a it's book, not a documentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so we, we, we kept it really tight. I um,
1: find it very interesting that you were talking about how the money didn't come from England. Mm, mm. It's very telling and very interesting.
2: <laughs> yes. Isn't it? Well, I think so. I, I think look the, the 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 phenomenon of farming is is very unknown even within Britain. Yeah. But you know, it indicts a system in a, mm-hmm. in a sense um and and perhaps that's not you know something that we want to expose back home, but I think ultimately it's going to be for the betterment of the culture because yes. it's what shaped Britain. Yeah. And and it's very important that it's told from a black british perspective as well. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, it is telling, I think. Um, And, uh, you know, it's also telling that it happened now because we're in this realm of Diversity, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you know. Like I said, I've been hacking at it for over a decade, mm-hmm. but everything is timing as well. Yeah, yeah oh yeah, definitely. I mean, when, is you, timing.
0: when you hear your story, I mean, timing is everything. Now, you talked about this. This all happened, I guess, in the '80s. Uh, so, when you did, music for this movie, it, does the music have an '80s flair to it or very '70s?
2: Much, very much, yeah. So, what
0: were you listening to back
2: then? Scar. Ah. Um, you know, like, specials, the beat, um, and everything from uh, Stevie Wonder, Master Blaster, um, from reggae, um, yeah. you know. The it, Selector. And- you Selector. And also there was pop, you know, D- uh, Duran Duran and all yeah. that stuff that was going on. Um, David Bowie. Mm-hmm. That, that was what was but, – but my – ironically, my foster mother had a real uh, taste for soul. And mm. she, she couldn't sleep. A lot of uh, English, pe- a lot of white <laughs> English people do, especially poor white English <laughs> really? people. Really? Yeah, because they, because they understand the suffering that's mm. in, in, in in the songs. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mother, in order to get asleep, she used to play these tunes and they would seep through my walls you know really billy paul and oh, gladys Knight, really? wow. and that that was my lullabies yeah and so i grew up <laughs> listening to that at least
0: you had good music and
2: i, oh, and I, I believe that's really what got me into music yeah. to be honest with you
0: so this so you've you've recorded songs for yeah. the movie mm. and uh, did you produce the songs how did they come about like what did, you wrote the songs
2: yeah i have a music studio in London, mm-hmm. and so two of the songs, the top and tail end, I'd written about eight years ago, with, mm-hmm. a, with the mindset that they would be the top and tail end of the movie. Mm. What happened when we started to do the movie, um, because it's a, a period movie, and the, and to get the license fees of of these films is very expensive. Very expensive. Mm. And, we, and me and the producers, we realised that we weren't going to be able to afford. You know those big hits, you mm-hmm. know Pink Floyd and mm-hmm. stuff like that. you just couldn't have, that was a whole budget gone. Mm-hmm. My producer, Janice Williams, used to be the manager of the Rolling Stones mm-hmm. and she heard my music and she said, "You're gonna do the music mm-hmm. and uh, and that was it and um wow,
1: that's a high compliment <laughs> well
2: and she we we I did everything from pop, ska, reggae, um you know, grime, and uh, we played it to um Island Records and Universal, they loved it, and uh, they're gonna put it out of the soundtrack. So, wow. so it was amazing. like it's a dream come true in terms of you know marrying two
0: passions. What's your voice sound like? Are you more Luther Vendros? Are you more Philly <laughs> Paul? Are you what do you say? you like Billy
2: Billy Ocean or oh, sound really. like? You know what? It depends on what like for instance, this this particular soundtrack is not necessarily the music that I would sing myself because mm-hmm. because it's designed to fit a period, mm-hmm. you know? It was an interesting exercise, but the music that I gravitate to, um, you know, I play a bit of the trumpet, so I, I, I like soul, R&B, mm-hmm. and I, I rap, you know what I mean? Oh. Yeah, I used to do that quite a bit when I was younger. Yeah. So so I think that's R&B, hip-hop, um jazz and soul do
0: you remember denroy morgan i'll do anything for you i'll do anything mm-hmm. for you yes yeah, yeah yeah i'll do yeah that when i my <laughs> yeah. I, I would think you would probably sound like that i don't yeah know. And,
2: and you know what i'm 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 still discovering it and that's that's a beautiful thing about yeah. music i'm like really discovering this this project really uh expanded my repertoire cuz i i had to do Imitations of Leo Sayer, and, mm-hmm. and then some real beautiful lovers rock that mm-hmm. I, you know, hadn't done. And I thought, yeah, you know what? I really like that groove, yeah, man. Yeah. So I call that cuddle rock. Cuddle rock. <laughs> you say saying lovers rock.
0: It's cuddle rock, like yeah. Air Supply and all those kind of people. Now <laughs> okay. uh, we've we got Ottawa here. Yeah, you know, I, I want to ask also. We're gonna break, but I want to ask about the acting and giving yourself permission to go places on an emotional level that. Seemingly, most people don't allow themselves to go to. Mm. And um, and you just mentioned, uh, you know, doing music that you would naturally not gravitate toward, but you, in the process of doing this film, expanded your emotional repertoire. Yeah. So um, in acting, at what point were you able to expand on that? How did you give yourself permission
2: to just let it go? Um, whew. I mean a lot depends on the part you know mm-hmm. um uh, like i have to say you know playing oz and adebisi it came at the right time in my life when i was just so fearless he's and, a and, bad dude um, yeah oh yeah but he's a badly creative dude and he's funny as well and that's mm-hmm. what draws you in because just being bad ain't enough to have the shades of humor yes. with it and and to be and and be unpredictable with what you're going to do um that you know when you get a space where <clears throat> all of your elements can come together, that's when, oh, man, you know. And, and it, it, it's rare because you also, on the other side, you need producers who are fearless with mm-hmm. you and who don't block that process, mm-hmm. but instead fan it. And and that's what I had because there were things that were I was doing that weren't on the page and the director was like, oh, no, he's not doing what's on the page. Mm-hmm. But I had a great producer who was fearless in Tom Fontana. who was mm-hmm. like, look, let him do what he wants mm-hmm. and I'll cut out what I need. Yeah. Yeah. Because I he's in, because he's in tune with where the scene's going, yeah. And yeah. and and uh, I've even seen that in my directing. That's what I allow my actors yeah. to do. You know, the page is a springboard, but what happens when the chemistry comes? Yeah. Sometimes it's greater than what you've written and captures the essence better. And you've got to be courageous enough to say, "No, that's what I'm going yeah. with." Yeah. You know, forget the page. Let's roll with this. Yeah. And um and and so that, and and I think um. My clue, my, my mo is always go for the things that scare me. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like even this character I've just played in in the Fix, mm-hmm. uh, Samir Johnson on ABC tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he's purportedly a wife beater, and uh, and maybe murdered two women and. <laughs> It's not going to have you in good stance mm-hmm. in 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 the public playing mm-hmm. a guy like that, but you've got to go to places that will challenge yourself. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, why do I feel scared about that? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What is it? And and to reside in that that area, that's where you get growth, that's yeah. where you expand. And that's where you can see unparalleled sort of like uh, achievements in yeah. yourself. Otherwise, if you stay in that little box, man, It's like sleepwalking. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you know, in in, in your career, you've had a very long, successful career. What other situations, acting situations, Mm. where you felt those elements were in play when you've got all these different elements where the production is behind mm. you, the words are there, the ability to create something that you didn't even know existed in yeah. yourself. You know, um, Michelle's on to Lost, finally, yeah. after all these years. <laughs> Can you
1: imagine it took me this long and then I I finished something, I, I finished Veep and I wanted to start something new, so yeah. I started Lost and I got sucked right into was, that. Was yeah. that
2: an experience where you could do that? Uh, well, it was. In fact, um, the producers wrote that character based upon watching Oz. Yes.
1: That makes sense. That's, yeah. that's yeah. what they
2: had told me. And so there was a uh, great, what I would say, um, you know, camaraderie and uh, collaboration yeah. in in creating the character because I remember they had told me, you know, he has to be mysterious. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, well, um, you know, I, I, I gave, gave him a few names because mm-hmm. he had a different name. And uh, we you Mr. The, Echo, you mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was Samuel originally. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, that doesn't really resonate with mystery for me. Mm-hmm. So w- what about if we give him an African name like Echo, which is where my mother's from, Lagos. Echo means Lagos. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, and I said, uh, just give him a prefix him Mr. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, nobody else has got a prefix. And I'm like, well, that's exactly what, you, <laughs> you know, that's it. And, and, and again, they were courageous enough to go with that. And I said, yeah, let's mm-hmm. call it. And I remember the first time the character uttered the word Mr. Echo. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when the beat hits, the note yeah. hits, you know that, ah, oh, that's the right note.
1: And it felt right, especially yeah. the whole thing with his brother. He just felt like the powerful. Yeah. That made him like in control. Yeah, oh, authoritative.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and and you you just think, well, why why is he called Mister? What's going, Yeah, you know, yeah and, 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 and that's that's what you want to yeah. do. So, but yes, definitely that was one of the characters, uh, majestic with Jim Sheridan. You know, uh, the Fifty Cent Project was yeah. was you know Jim Sheridan is is uh, somebody who I'd admired for years. Yes, you know Daniel Day Lewis. Uh, yeah. you know he was responsible for some of the greatest performances that in seeing. America.
0: What's it called? In in. Yeah. Uh, um, what was that thing? Yeah. Um, with oh, jump, my, jump. My left
2: foot and... Uh, jump, uh, what's the Jump's... Uh, the, the,
1: the Janet Jackson act video, it out. You
2: just named Yes, him.
1: Love Would Never... Jimon. I'm, I'm going to say oh, his Diamond, name wrong. Jimon. Jimon, yeah.
0: yeah. uh, Yes, in America. In, yes. in America. Yeah. You know I mean? beautiful, beautiful,
2: beautiful piece. Yeah. Beautiful piece. Why? Because it shows the dimensions of us as black people, as yeah. humans. Yeah. And 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 I knew with Jim, just playing a bowdy, there were going to be layers and textures that he was looking for that you know, we wouldn't ordinarily see in stereotypical characters. So, you know, that was a really interesting process as well. But I really think um, I haven't matched the freedom that I had when I was on Oz, and that's mm-hmm. what I'm, you know, looking for, because I found I was spoiled. And, mm-hmm. and know, when, I, when, when I came into Hollywood, it was like, it don't work like that. And you have to really try to forge that integrity yourself and it's like uh, people aren't as free willing and courageous to let it run you know there's there's budgets and this and that but Mm. you know so so that's why I'm doing my own that's that's the do, answer do, do, right do, do, there. Do you know what I mean? That's so,
0: absolutely right.
2: Crea- I, I'm creating that space for myself, writing those characters, writing those stories, and and uh, you know, being fearless in that regard.
0: You have to. We're going to go to break. We'll be right back with more Adwale. <laughs> Michelle. There's good news on the horizon. Mm,
1: tell me about Casper it. Casper
0: Mattresses, which you know is a premium mattress seller, has come up with a brand new mattress. They
1: have, and I got it. You from have my it. You've yes. got it already. I got it for Lily. She was coming back from college and she's got scoliosis. It's a true story. Mm-hmm. And she's been sleeping on a shit mattress at school, yeah. you know, because they, they, you get what they get. And I got the mattress toppers and did everything that I can do for her. Yeah. But she doesn't have a good back, so she's been going to the chiropractor, blah, blah, blah. She's got the brand new Casper Hybrid mattress. It combines the pressure relief of their award-winning foam with durable yet gentle springs. It's a new innovation. It's the best of both worlds. Luxurious comfort and resilient support. Added benefits of the hybrid collection. Elevated lift support. Increased airflow for cooling. Durability for all body types and enhanced edge support. Even with springs, these mattresses still come magically in a box that simply arrives on your doorstep. I don't know how they do it.
0: It's amazing. I
1: honestly don't know how they do it. So we got the hybrid for Lily. She is so in love and if for some reason you guys are still thinking about it and you haven't gotten your Casper yet, now is the time to do it. You could be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep on it trial and did I mention free shipping and returns throughout the U.S. and Canada? Get $100 to Towards select mattress purchases by visiting Casper.com/ru using that offer code RU at checkout will help big time. That's Casper.com/ru. Terms and conditions apply.
0: We are back with Ottawa. He's got a film coming out in the fall that he's written and directed and and really nurtured to the finish line called Farming. That is so fascinating talking about his experiences as a kid growing up in England and how that came about. What's interesting about me, about you and your uh, what I've heard of your story is you must at one point have looked at your life, probably in writing the script for farming, where you think about the magic that it took to bring you to this point in your life, but also, this, I keep going back to this anointed, this, this. you are a king. You are the crown mm. prodigal son. And not only owning it, but at what point did you discover that this wasn't a typical story and that you aren't just a typical guy? There's
2: some magic going on here. Do you feel that? Um <clears throat> It's hard cuz I never really see myself as extraordinary beyond.
0: Uh, you're a movie star and you were a model and you have, uh, you you're, have a, a musician degree, you, you have write you yeah. the Nigerian then there's you white traffic, family and then here and you're yes. in the US you're, it's, yeah. it's it's a lot.
2: But, it's not that doesn't happen to everybody. But I never as- look as- at it like that. You know, I don't look at it like oh this uh, I just I keep on going because mm-hmm. I think what I'm looking for is the purest expression of myself whether it's in 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 Academia, music, film, directing, fashion, just want to unload what's in my heart. So you know but but I will say this that in, in certainly in doing the project, i I, I realize that I am a bit of a walking miracle to be alive because some of the guys that I were with didn't survive mm-hmm. and um and I'm alive to tell not only my story, but give voice to theirs. Mm-hmm. So I'm very much aware. That I, you know, because it is it is tough, you know, from where I came from, and uh, especially when you don't have the love mm-hmm. that you need to sustain you, and you have to forge it for yourself. Mm-hmm. That's rough, but that's what makes me kind of fearless and invincible. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so I, I think there is that acknowledgement that yeah, yeah, there's something extraordinary in that I I was able to get out of there because mm-hmm. it's a where I am now, it's a, it, it feels like I'm writing about a stranger, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it actually happened. And all of these phases uh, have occurred in my life. I'm sure, like both of yours as mm. well, you've had uh, different phases in your life. Sure. But, but um, yeah, to, to have come out of the farming process um, and also, I think, withstand the constant racism, uh, whether it's institutionalized, whether it's in fashion, whether it's in film. Mm-hmm. And and still not have a heart full of hate mm-hmm. and still produce beauty mm-hmm. and and still be embracing of all and accepting of all. Yeah. That, to me, is the, that is the miracle. I know it
1: sounds ignorant, <laughs> but... Is the farming still going on?
2: No. Um, in 1991, a young girl called Victoria Kleinby died at the behest of her foster parents. Mm. And so it went to court. And the courts investigated the, the the practice and saw the prevalence and diversity and quickly – Uh, put in place checks and balances so that Mm -hmm. it eradicated it basically so it really existed from uh those three decades 60s 70s 80s -hmm. and then got fizzled out because of the checks and balances that went in after that case Mm
0: -hmm. and Kate Beckinsale who's a big movie star
2: why do you think she she signed on um most of all the actors were so moved by the story Mm -hmm. and and I think again like you've you've because the story is really a coming of age, you know, this how this boy comes out of this process and, and and finds love within himself in a very racist environment. I think they were moved by that and and big actors, small actors, well known actors you know, you're acting because you want to tell the truth. Sure. You want to connect to something that moves you. And I know Kate, you know, she has her own daughter. And she was going through uh, her own things with her daughter that she felt she could put into the movie as mm-hmm. well. But um, she's just a phenomenal actress who is fearless. Yeah, She's really fearless. And uh, Because this is an area that pe- nobody's seen her play. Mm-hmm. And she's phenomenal in it.
0: Uh, so do you have children? Not yet, no. And um, what what is your? Because you, know, you know we've t- joked here <laughs> lots yeah. about the fact that you're very s- sexy. <laughs> and uh, why is that a joke? Yeah. No, it's
2: not a joke.
1: It's just things we've said. We on things Wally, we've which said oh, which really? well yeah. <laughs>
0: so, It's just you know. I mean, come on. I mean, so what is your what's your personal life like? We're mm-hmm. being Are very well you in a behaved. relationship? We're being very well yes. behaved right now. You'd be very proud. very
2: yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm I'm good. You know, I'll be honest with you. The the commitment to getting my baby out had consumed me for a, a number of years mm-hmm. to the point that I couldn't really give full attention to a relationship. Baby
1: meaning your movie. Yes. yes. Yeah.
2: But I'm in a space now where um, I'm really happy to take on a a beautiful relationship and family. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. that's where it's I'm It's not at.
1: easy, is it? To balance it all and No,
2: certainly not. Yeah. You know, movies no joke, man, like directing and all that stuff. But now I'm I'm in a I'm in a place where uh I'm really looking forward to starting a family to be mm. honest with you mm. uh, um, I never thought that would ever arrive for me
0: yeah how old are you
2: I'm 51 51 yeah
0: you know you play <laughs> in, in movies you've played some really bad dudes and when you talked about the old gang that some of them made it some of them didn't that mm. you grew up with them the bad guys is is that where you're drawing this from this sort of like
2: some of them you've some really bad dudes. Well, he
1: said you. You said you kind of got in with the wrong crowd.
2: Yeah, yeah. And and the thing is, everything I play, I draw from life. Life is the, the best resource. You know whether it's my life or a vicarious life. Whether mm-hmm. I'm observing somebody else because mm-hmm. I'm a great observer. Mm-hmm. I watch, you know, and listen with my eyes. You know what I mean. And mm-hmm. uh, and you can pick up so many things that way. But certainly, I've had enough life experience to show me, especially early on. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I saw I saw a lot of things happen, and um, and that's why, you know, um, I don't take it for granted being in front of a camera people were really hard ordinary people gardeners mothers you know uh, mechanics and they you know the only reason that we as actors get the profile we do is because you see our job mm-hmm. you know what i mean but it ain't any different from what anybody else is doing we all have to put it in but if i'm going to be up there i'm going to make damn sure i'm going to move you mm-hmm. if i'm going to you know do it because of all the effort that other people have to do, just sure. to get along in life, and also because I know getting out of where I came from, I'm I'm one of the lucky ones. You man. certainly are in it. You certainly yeah, are. in it. <laughs> yeah. I am, man. Because and also I know some bad brothers. Mm-hmm. Do you understand me? Mm-hmm. Like that, I came up with that are just as talented, or even more so, but because they didn't have one or two of the tools, didn't make it. Mm-hmm. So I don't mean I'm the best, ba- I, I, and I've, I've rolled with those cats, so mm-hmm. I, I know that, and so I'm honoring that as well. Yeah. I always just gotta have integrity to, you know, those that are, who, who really have it, man, yeah. because- Do you live here in LA? I do, here, both between here and uh, London. Really, because uh, you're in
0: something all the time. Uh, I would think you'd have to be here in L.A. most of the time to get those auditions and to do...
2: Yeah, um, you, you you know, there comes a point in your career, hopefully, that, you know, geography, you know, doesn't matter. You know, people just call you. Yeah. And, and that's kind of where it's at, and I take what I want. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but definitely, I mean, if you want to keep your foot on the pulse, you do have to have one foot in L.A. Mm-hmm. You have to, and, I, and, and that's not a, an onus. Uh, it's you know it, it's something I enjoy. I love the time. Yeah, yeah. You know? Okay, so um, we
0: don't have a lot of time left, but um, you know, so in your life, they're always you've got farming out of the way. Farming is mm. is nice. It's tucked away. It's ready to to go. What's the dream role for you? What. Is there some um, historical figure that you've always wanted to play, or is there something you haven't done? Have you done a musical? You, like, this no, is I'd, part lo-
2: of- I'd love to do that, or a jazz musician, you mm. know. Because you play uh, trumpet. Uh, yeah, Art Blakey or somebody like yeah. that. I, I would love to do that because – you know, there's such a depth and profanity to yes. musicians. I, I really and I love jazz, so I wouldn't mind doing that. But I, I think just just the normal things, the lover, the you know, just just the other shades of me that people are a comedy. Mm-hmm. Just just having a laugh. Yeah. Um. And but you know, historical character. I, I love. Um. You know, I did a play once. And I played Nat King Cole. Wow. I, I think I'd, I'd like to play. That you know yeah. what I mean? How how do you master um, an American um, accent? How do, what's the key to doing it? My key is the trumpet.
0: The key is the trumpet. Yeah. Really? How's yeah. that?
2: Because it, it enriches my baritone, mm-hmm. and the moment I play, I relax, and uh, baritone comes out. And and you know, from my experience, the American accent is a lot about baritone, mm-hmm. whereas British is very nasal. Mm-hmm. And uh, the moment I play the the um, trumpet. I automatically start talking like this. <laughs> it's just, you know what I mean? It just comes out, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't want to have And so I, was, I, I, I would use the trumpet when I was on um, uh, Get Rich, Die Trying. I think even in the scene, uh, Jim filmed the blowing it because that's what I would do just to bring that roundness right. to, to the accent. And that was natural. Yeah, and not forced, and so you can hear it come out now. So that, yeah, that's, that's kind of beautiful. That, that, beautiful. That's kind of what happens when I play. Yeah, and um, you know, and it, it, it's it's easier for an English to do
1: American, American for sure, than, right?
2: Because as I said, one's nasal, one's yeah, and also it's easier for I think black because we tend to have more baritone. Mm-hmm. So it's easier to make that transition. Do you have a spiritual practice? I'm a Buddhist, yeah. You are? Yeah, yeah. I've been a Buddhist for 15 years.
0: Wow. So first thing you wake up in the morning, what do you do?
2: I chant. I do what we call gongyo, which is... uh, the practice of chanting Mm Nam-myoho-renge-kyo, and we recite the two most important chapters of the Lotus Sutra upon which the philosophy of Buddhism is based. We do that in the morning, do that in the evening. You sandwich your day in what we call the mystic law, so that everything, your desires, your thoughts, your actions are in rhythm with the universe. Mm -hmm. You're not swimming against the tide. It's all swimming with it, and you're being supported. So you you turn up the right place at the right time. You say the right thing to the right person at mm-hmm. the right. You, you're supported by universe. Yeah. So that's that's kind of what's got me taken up.
0: I love that. That's I did not know that about you. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. We and my learned sisters a lot. Too. Your yeah, sisters and, too. Yeah, yeah. My sisters.
0: And, too. You, and do they live in England?
2: They live in Nigeria.
0: Oh wow. Nigeria really. Yeah, yeah. Is Nigeria relatively a peaceful place? Are they at war at all?
2: I mean look, there's always discourse in, mm-hmm. in Nigeria, but at the moment um it's relatively peaceful in that there's no big war going on, no. Mm-hmm. Um what what we do have is just like we have in America you know, corruption and and politicians that are fighting at the top without an interest for the people down below. Well, that's America mm-hmm. too right you, you now. you know so. what I mean? We have that just like we have here. But uh, there's no wars though or anything there. No. It's, really, it's, it's a really a place full of vitality. I would encourage anybody mm-hmm. to go there if you want to just uh,
1: – Have you been to Africa?
0: I've been to South Africa. I've never uh, been to Nigeria. Yeah, I want to go to Africa. Yeah. You, you got to
2: go there. It's yeah. the New York of Africa. Really? Nigeria, oh, yeah, yeah, Lagos. That would fit got, right in. You gotta go there, man. It's just like it, it show you you're alive. I that that'd be in, interesting. You, you'd love it, the experience. I would you love really would. to go. Now, now, your love for fashion,
0: though, <clears> uh, how does that? uh How do you? How do you express that now? I mean, if you're in LA, which is not very fashion oriented. <laughs> Or you
2: are, I guess in London, I guess. Mm. London's mm-hmm. very
1: fashion still. Yeah, it's very. Yeah. Well,
2: you know what? My mother complains uh, since I became an actor that I, I just abandoned my fashion sense and she's very disappointed. <laughs> 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 because you can only, you know, it takes time to, you know, put stuff together and go out and search. And I'm like, look, I, I, I can only put my energy. Into it. Mom, that was a point when I was in fashion. That's why I did it, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. Now I just do what's practical. Uh, but, but um how do I embrace, I, you know, I still look, you know, I'm wearing Johnny and I'm wearing Paul Smith. Mm-hmm. These are all people that Paul Smith, that, well, I used to do all these catwalk shows mm-hmm. and stuff. I love fashion and, and uh, I, I was fortunate enough to be in fashion when it was still an art mm-hmm. and not a corporation, mm-hmm. you know, when, when some of the greatest fashion designers, uh, the, you know, were still alive. Yeah. And, um, and, and I was nurtured by that. And I think that really you'll see that in my film. You'll see how how I frame a shop. You'll see movie. you'll see what the like even even the gangs what they're wearing. You know you'll see the symbolism in it. So it's all very much um, influenced uh, me as a director. I cannot wait to see. Yeah, I'm this really
0: movie. excited. First of all, I mean, just the subject matter alone. You is... see how I light
2: up when we talked about fashion. Well... <laughs> it's, it's, it's in your blood. <laughs> you but know you know, me.
0: honestly, you know, we we this we're really all talking about just one thing. We're talking about consciousness and their, the ability to uh, shine through uh, your frequency, knowing what that frequency is and uh, the ability to shine through. And how crazy that when you went to Nigeria uh, and, and you, you, that frequency stopped, you shut it down, mm. and then mm. to be able to turn it back on. This is really, your story is really a story of of consciousness and of being present and being being able to live long enough to tell the story mm-hmm. and and to tell the other the stories of all the other people who whose stories hadn't been told it's it's very interesting it's very interesting and i cannot wait to see this movie you're
1: speaking for them and i think it's really brave and i think it's necessary yeah uh, I love the culture and the history of the UK and all of that part of the world and I didn't even know and as an adopted kid I'm kind of embarrassed I feel like I should know oh, that that existed but I think there's a lot of people like us who had no idea this was going on Yeah. and to me what I'm hearing in my head and no disrespect to your foster parents because You know, they did what they did, like you said, I'm sure with a pure heart, But there's a sense of benefits here, of a benefits ploy. You know, people in America that are on benefits, welfare, will keep having kids because the more kids they have, the more they get from the government. So there's a bit of that playing into that too. So, of course, they had 50 kids throughout their tenure Mm. because they got money for Hmm. it. So it's just interesting to see who gets nurtured through this process and who yeah. doesn't. That's why it's so amazing mm-hmm. that not only you ended up where you ended up, but that you still had the tenacity to go chase your dreams. Not just the uni part and getting your law degree because your biological parents had a deal, mm-hmm. but the fact that you were a creative kid in a household of, what, 10 kids, mm-hmm. and you chased it. And not only did you chase it, you didn't have acting lessons, you just fucking did it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You did it when all – when I say all odds were against you.
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: Every odd was stacked against you. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. the tenacity of the human
0: spirit. I love it. I love it. And I you
2: said that so, you know, well, thank you. Thank that, you so much. That, that's, that's why we're, all three of us are in this room. That's right. Yeah. right. Absolutely. Because <laughs> we never give up on ourselves. Mm-mm. That's right. And I, I think that's an ode to take away, you know, to anybody that's listening. You know? you know, when you give up on your dream, you give up on yourself. And you owe it to yourself and to the planet mm-hmm. to uh, – fulfill that, you know. Yeah.
1: Well in September we want the Ottawale Tour of my yes, I love it. I love (laughs) it.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we've been talking about you for a long, long time. I'm so glad we finally got to have you. Thank you so much, and you were able to stay clothed. (laughs) You've always
2: been so gracious whenever we've met, and I I appreciate that, and I appreciate this being such gracious hosts today. Thanks a lot. Perfect.
0: All right, Michelle. (laughs) Yes, my darling. (laughs) Yes, baby. Bye. bye. Later. (laughs) <laughs> Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? If you can't love yourself, how in the hell you gonna love somebody else? Can I get an amen? And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. If you can't love yourself, how in the hell you gonna love somebody else? Amen.